Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. On today's episode of Just Healthcare Daily, we'll hear from Dr. David Karsten about how COVID-19 is altering the landscape of dentistry. It's Monday, April 27th, and I'm Alex Olgan with Just Healthcare Daily, where I get the headlines in health business and policy news in under 10 minutes. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review. It helps other listeners find the show. Among the hardest hit by the COVID-19 pandemic within healthcare is the dental industry. According to the jobs report in March, dentist offices reported the most job losses within the healthcare sector. Dentist anesthesiologist Dr. David Karsten is involved in many facets of the dental industry. He's an assistant professor at Oregon Health and Science University Dental School's General Practice Residency, a dental commissioner in Washington State, and he's a part of the American Dental Association's committee that is updating the licensure process. Dr. Karsten took some time to talk with me about how the dental field is being impacted by COVID-19. Here's some of that conversation. With all the restrictions on elective care, what kind of care have dentists been able to provide during the pandemic? Uh, We need to deal with things that are what we consider medical emergencies, like bleeding that is uncontrolled, infections where you have swelling, fractures, fractured teeth, fractured bone. Uh, Things that can't be taken care of over the phone or discussing it with somebody. Pain that is interfering with your daily life. Those would all be considered emergencies. Many states have bans on elective procedures, including Washington State, where you're a dental commissioner. Can you tell me how the commission is carrying out that order? We have to enforce the governor's directive. The governor said that you need to be doing emergent cases only rather than things that would be elective. So we have had to deal with some complaints, although thankfully not that many. These are accusations. Apparently, they were going ahead and doing non-emergent care. So we're investigating some of those right now. If a dentist was found to have violated the order and provided elective care, what would be the punishment? Could be a fine and a year in jail. But the governor also put out that he wants to make sure that there was no misunderstanding The first layer of it is to try to make sure that this really is somebody that's egregiously violating the governor's directive. We've heard about a lot of physicians switching over to virtual care, more specifically primary care. But what about uh, teledentistry? How easy or complicated is that? And is it really something that dentists can do effectively during this time? Dentists can definitely do it. We're in early stages of it. So at... Oregon Health Sciences, where we are working out how we would do it. The upper campus, and I call it upper campus because that's where the medical school is, is already engaged in telemedicine. And so we're trying to use some of the same systems that they've pioneered 
and put them to work for dentistry. So especially in this sort of situation where we may have people that have what they perceive as an emergency, uh, we can have people that, that can talk to them, maybe have them take a photograph. We can determine is this something we can treat medically, like with a prescription, or put it off, or do we need to see them that day? Do you think this pandemic will push more stringent infection control measures um, with dentists just because of uh, concerns this may have brought to light? People are scared. Patients are scared. They don't want to get this infection and die or maybe have grandpa die. They need to feel comfortable, and their employees need to feel comfortable that they can get back to work. So there's a small cadre of people that I'm working with where we're trying to figure out, okay, what is it going to take? I know from Wuhan and Shanghai, I have friends in China, and I've discussed it with them. So we're talking about things like using UVC lights to sterilize uh, room. Some of these lights can suck in air and kill viruses, um, having negative pressure, which could be as simple as having a duct and a little bit of a fan. We're talking about availability of PPEs. You know, how can we get the masks that are going to be suitable or do we need to use helmets? There are a lot of things that have to be solved right now. Do we need to install HEPA filters so that we're exchanging the air and filtering out all those infectious elements. The other big thing that we have to have is we have to have testing. That's critical. If we don't have testing, we're kind of dead in the water. We need to have that testing. Dental licensing has been unique in the sense that it required an applicant to perform a procedure on a patient while being evaluated by a panel of dentists. I don't know many other medical specialties that license practitioners in this way, but it's been a long-standing practice in dentistry. Why? Oh, more than 40 years. The on-patient exams started at a time when we didn't have strict guidelines as far as what was going to be taught in dental schools. But now we have a thing called CODA where the dental schools have to follow strict guidelines. And so perhaps there's a little bit less need to see, well, can they cut fillings? But rather, we really need to see, has that school taught them clinical judgment? Of course, as a commissioner, I have to do discipline, too, with people that have done things wrong. People get in trouble 99% of the time, anyway, because they aren't unethical or they have poor clinical judgment. And a lot of times, that ethical part will fix the poor clinical judgment. You're on the American Dental Association steering committee that has been working to transition this requirement to an exam. Earlier this month, the Joint Commission on Dental Examinations approved the assessment. The COVID-19 pandemic sped up this change to what's called a Dental Licensure Objective Structured Clinical Examination, or DLOSCI, for short. It had been in the works for a while. What were some of the problems? So at a live patient exam, we've got problems with Maybe the patient will shake down the student. You know, they'll, they'll say, well, I'm not going to show up today unless you pay me $1,000, which happens. Or we're having students save what they call indications, these little cavities for several months, uh, because they need a specific kind of cavity for that test. All things that we've not considered to be good practice. And so this is going to take that away with a Dialoski. So with the OSCE, what we're really testing is we're testing clinical judgment, and we can test a wide range, everything that they've learned, 
we can test it on that kind of test and to, just to see, do they have the proper clinical judgment that can put them into practice where we can trust that they'll be safe and it will protect the public. I understand that the original plan was to have this new exam available starting next year. How did the committee and the ADA make changes once the pandemic hit? When I saw this COVID thing coming, I asked the ADA testing services, could you please do a feasibility to see, could we use this right now? Could we provide this as a service? Because it appears to me that live patient examinations are not going to be available for who knows how long. And we need to provide an avenue for students to get their licenses. They've gone through four years of school, and they need to get that license so they can go out and work. So we have 56 different entities that would have to say yes for the whole country to do it. But individual states can agree to it. The pandemic has been really tough on a lot of industries, including healthcare. Specifically, dentists have been hard hit. According to last month's jobs report, the healthcare industry lost 43,000 jobs, and dentist offices had the most, with 17,000 reported losses. How can the dental profession start to come back from this? Well, I was I was in private practice practice for 25 years as a general general dentist, and so I understand completely what they're what they're experiencing with being shut down like this and having no income coming in, but your fixed costs continue. And how can you maintain a staff? It puts people in an extremely difficult situation. A lot of people are trying to figure out what can they do. They, they're very eager to get back. On the other hand, patients are going to be scared. So somehow we, we need to build that trust the, the dental industry has to be able to tell patients that it's safe. And we also have to work out what is it going to require, what modifications do we need to make that we can safely treat people. We have to work some of these things out. And, I mean, we need to work it out quickly. Uh, I don't think we have a lot of time to go before people start going bankrupt. I, kn- I know the federal government is trying to help out with that, But, um, boy, I don't know how long our dentists can hang on. Some of them, it's going to be very, very hard if this goes on much longer. That was Dr. David Karsten, dentist anesthesiologist in Washington State. Thanks for listening to Just Healthcare Daily. I'm Alex Olgan. You can check out more insights on healthcare business and policy news on JustHealthcare.com. Just Healthcare Daily is an independent production of Just Healthcare. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh.
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.